welcome to the Head to Heal podcast, where you'll go head over heels learning about how the body and the brain work together to either feed disease or fight it. I'm your host, Jordana Sade, certified holistic nutritionist and founder of The Mindful Clinic. With a background in nutrition, behavioral neuropsychology, and hypnosis, I'm going to walk you through the root cause of your symptoms and disordered behaviors. The body has an innate ability to heal. No one is destined for illness, and most, if not all, disorders can be reversed. Come with me as we develop a new understanding of how you can use your head to heal and truly thrive. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Head to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Sade, certified holistic nutritionist, hypnotherapist, and founder of The Mindful Clinic. I want to preface this episode and all future episodes by saying that I am not a medical doctor and you should always seek help from a physician before beginning any new health regime. Okay, guys, today I want to talk to you about something that has been coming up with a lot of my clients. And so the topic of today's conversation is going to be the difference between a foodie and emotional eating. And can we really enjoy our food or, you know, take pleasure in our food? And the reason why this comes up so much is because, you know, food should actually not be emotional. Food is there to serve a survival need, to help us survive, right? As soon as we start to make it emotional, we tie emotions to it, then we can no longer really respond to these automatic cues of hunger and fullness that are happening in the autonomic nervous system, right? Because as soon as we are led by our emotions, we are unable to tune into these like natural processes. And instead we're using the limbic system, which is the part of our brain that deals with emotions to govern our behavior. All right. And so I want to tell you a story about a client of mine who's actually one of my really good friends. And if you're listening, you know who you are. But I was talking to her about she really identifies with being a foodie. All right. So I was talking to her about how, you know, not every meal can be like the most delicious, palatable meal, because if we do that, we really set our taste buds up for these highly palatable, delicious meals. And then anything other than that is going to seem like ordinary or not attractive, right? And so if we train our taste buds to prefer a type of meal that's like super, super delicious and like super tasty, then anything else is not going to, is going to fall short and we're going to be less likely to be able to engage in eating those types of foods, right? And if we look at, you know, whole foods, I mean, of course, whole foods can be so delicious and tasty. Like if we think about fruits and spices that we get from Mother Earth, but at the end of the day, like nothing is going to compare to like a bag of Doritos or, you know, like these, like a a chocolate bar, like there's nothing really in nature that is going to have that same level of like highly palatableness, which is going to overstimulate the taste buds. And over time, if we get used to eating these highly palatable foods that are literally designed for reconsumption, right? They're designed to get you to come back and purchase the food because the government is corrupt and all it cares about is money. And so nothing from nature is going to have that same tendency because things from nature typically aren't addictive, right? Like nobody's addicted to broccoli. Even though watermelon is so delicious, I never hear any of my clients say, well, I'm addicted to watermelon. They might eat a whole bunch of it, but they're not like thinking about it, craving it, having withdrawal and like negative emotions around it, right? Or eating it despite knowing the consequences, which there really isn't any for eating watermelon. So anyways, I had this conversation with one of my clients who is also my friend, and I was telling her about, you know, like not every meal can be this like really highly palatable, delicious thing. And she actually got like really upset with me. She was like, well, I'm a foodie and like, I want to enjoy my food. And I'm like, listen, I totally understand that. And so I've been kind of battling with this concept of like, 
where's the line, right? Like, where's the line between foodie, you know, you enjoy food, you take pleasure in eating very decadent, delicious foods, and emotional eating. And I definitely identify with being a foodie. Me and my husband love highly palatable, decadent meals. Like when we, we don't go up very often, but when we do, like we're dropping like at least 500 bucks and we're going to like a really nice restaurant and the food, like we really, we try everything on the menu and we pair it with a nice bottle of wine. And so we definitely have these behaviors and these tendencies to derive pleasure from food. But at what point does it become detrimental to our nervous system and our bodies craving food to satisfy this like emotional need, right? To derive pleasure. And so I wanna kind of like open the floor for a conversation about this. I've been thinking about this for a while and this is kind of what I've come up with, but I've been seeing a lot of coaches also lately talk about pleasure while eating. And I think when we talk about mindful eating and we like really sit with our, like there's this video that I'll never forget that when I was working with the medical doctor, he would make the patients all watch. And it was this woman who was eating this raisin and she took like four minutes to eat this one raisin and she's sitting and she's like really tasting it and enjoying and pleasure, like deriving pleasure from it and slowing down with it. And, you know, I see a lot of coaches now who talk about like binge eating coaches or coaches around eating who talk about like needing to have this pleasure around food or it's the opposite where they talk about like, you know, we shouldn't derive pleasure from food because that leads to emotional eating. And while I do believe that human beings are hardwired for pleasure, right, like human beings are pleasure seeking animals, this often can't be avoided, right? We are going to seek pleasure. I also realize that if we continually eat for pleasure, it only adds to this emotional eating construct. Okay, so from my perspective, with the research that I've done in my life and with all of my clients, eating should just not be emotional, all right? And it's totally understandable about how we develop these like ties of emotion to food, especially if we have like mama issues. I've done a whole pad, a whole podcast on the mother wound. So like head back and listen to that. But the first time that we're exposed to food is through our mother's breast milk. And so when we have a family or we have issues with our mother where we're not getting that unconditional love or we have an insecure attachment, we are going to mistake seeking food or eating as love, right? When we don't get that unconditional love, but we do have access to food, it feels like love when we have an insecure attachment with the mother. Also, I have so many clients who come from many different cultural backgrounds. Like I could do an entire podcast on how pretty much all my clients have immigrant parents. And like, I don't think that this is a coincidence. I think when you have immigrant parents where we have big cultures who are surrounded around food, then, you know, when they move to Canada, that is one of the ways that they can still keep their culture. And so there becomes all this like pressure and attention and connection around what's on the dinner table. And when we have these celebrations and stuff, you know, food is the main component. And I totally totally understand how food can become emotional. But at the end of the day, eating is a very primitive behavior. All animals do it. And you never see a dog being like, I'm scared or sad. So I'm going to eat this entire box of donuts, right? Like, so somewhere along the way, like through our human consciousness, we develop these like emotional ties to eating. And at least, I mean, with the dog, at least I don't think that's happening. I mean, of course, we can never truly know what a dog is thinking, but I'm pretty sure that animals do not have these self-sabotaging tendencies at all, right? Like you wouldn't see a squirrel being like, I don't deserve to store nuts for winter. Like they just do it. (laughs) 
Whereas humans have this like whole other level of, am I deserving? Am I enough? Am I worthy? Am I lovable? And humans are actually the only species that ties emotion to primitive behaviors. And this can be both positive or negative, right? So as soon as we allow emotions to guide our behaviors, especially when it relates to behaviors of survival, we basically negatively impact dopamine feedback loops. Dopamine being our seeking molecule. So we are wired to seek food, water, shelter, et cetera, because without this desire to seek, we just wouldn't survive. Like this is hardwired into our brain. So an element of this desire to seek food is really eating for survival. But like, when does it get out of control? And in a society where food is hardwired into our ability to obtain happiness, right, being a huge part of a celebration, having a break from work, like even taking your lunch is like, I no longer have to work. I'm going to take a break and I'm going to eat. That's pleasurable. This also happens through family gatherings, like I said, satisfying our cultural needs, and the list could just go on forever. But when does it cross the line between being a foodie and emotional eating? And can or should we really enjoy our food? So for a long time, I worked really hard on myself and with my clients to take the emotion out of eating, because I believe this is a really important process, because if we are deriving our pleasure from food, it's a really slippery slope down to a place where you no longer feel happy without it. But part of what creates this issue is a concept we've talked about many times here at the Mindful Clinic, and that's the notion that food is highly palatable. So I've already alluded to this, right? It's literally chemically designed so that you go back for more. Companies do this on purpose so their product is profitable, and it is at the expense of our health and well-being. But another main component here is what I'm going to call your dopamine baseline, right? Or better yet, your neuronal baseline, where your neurotransmitters are prior to engaging in eating behavior. If you feel out of touch with yourself, unfulfilled, out of alignment, sad, depressed, hopeless, anxious, etc., if you have any of these negative feelings, if your baseline of mental health is in the pits, then consuming any substance that's going to stimulate dopamine or release endorphins will literally relieve you from this inner pain. The brain gets addicted to that because it doesn't want to feel unhappy, right? So even though this is, of course, a temporary like release of endorphins, it's temporary happiness, and you basically sacrifice long-term pleasure for short-term gain. But not only that, but no chocolate bar is actually going to fix the problem. Like no chocolate bar is going to fix the problem that your boyfriend broke up with you or that you feel like a failure at work or that you really don't like yourself, So what I'm trying to say here is that if your baseline is already low, eating will stimulate this emotional process that has the potential of getting out of control. And that's where we can move from being a foodie to an emotional eater. Okay, we can also be using food to distract ourselves from tasks that are undesirable. So for example, to procrastinate from work and in behavioral psychology terms, we call this escape from demands. Okay, so what this really looks like is Basically, we have four functions to our behavior. It's escape, tangible, sensory, and attention. I'm not going to get into that too much right now, but a lot of the time my clients are eating for escape. So if you're eating for escape, you're trying to escape a demand or escape a state of mind. So if you are trying to, if you're snacking all day long because you don't want to do your work, your eating behavior is used to escape your work, right? So it's used for procrastination. You also might be eating to escape boredom. You might be eating to escape sadness, et cetera. But this is called escape from demands. And we can use food to distract ourselves from tasks or feelings that are undesirable. 
Furthermore, if we have an emotional connection to eating and obtaining love from our parents, our emotional eating can be fulfilling a void of love that we never really received. So if our parents ever gave us conditions to their love, like for example, you know, where's the other 2%? I heard that all the time growing up. I would get 98%. My dad would be like, where's the other 2%? Or if your mom says, good girls don't cry, or you can't wear that to school. Eventually you start to believe that there is something wrong with you and you begin depending on the requests from like your mother going all the way back to childhood, right? So eating your whole plate, being a part of the clean plate club may be seen as one of the only ways you are obeying your parents and receiving this unconditional love in that moment, right? You finish your plate, mom's like, great job, you finished your plate, you're a good girl, right? But how do we distinguish between foodie and emotional eater? So if we are teetering the line, how can we go and make food less emotional? Don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with really enjoying a favorite dish or savoring something decadent or we're really enjoying your favorite food, right? But we definitely don't want food to become our main mechanism for happiness. So food is one of my favorite substances to work with because you simply can't be abstinent, right? Like, you know, I struggled from substance abuse my whole life. I've worked in rehab centers. I've worked with individuals who have substance abuses and they can just never do the substance again. But with food, we don't have that luxury. We have to eat to survive. So it becomes this very kind of complicated mechanism of being able to, you know, survive and also enjoy life and enjoy eating, but also not using it to derive an emotional need. You know, so we actually need to practice these like dopamine blunting tools when we approach food. So one of the ways that we can kind of step back into that foodie construct and not teeter the line over to emotional eater is just simply learning to meet your needs instead of eating them, right? Like if your needs aren't met, then you're going to have a continually negative narrative in the subconscious and you're going to be driven to self-soothe. And then you're going to feel guilt and shame for overeating and or eating when you're not hungry. And because of this, you feel shitty. And again, you need to self-soothe because you feel like shit about yourself, right? This is a never ending cycle. It's an ongoing loop. If you have a habit of responding to I'm hungry, but not I'm tired or I need some time alone or I need some time to be creative or I need some time to regulate, your brain is going to send you the cue that you need to hear to temporarily feel better. So if you respond to I'm hungry, but not I'm tired, but you're really tired, the brain's going to be like, I'm just going to send her I'm hungry, right? But if hunger is not the problem, eating is not the solution. And so we're never actually dealing with the root cause, which is the reason why you're driven to eat. And if we hear that hunger cue, but we do not respond by eating, you are forcing the nervous system to regulate on its own, right? When we hear that hunger cue, it's like the the brain being like, hey, I need a fix. I need to emotionally regulate. And oftentimes we'll just reach for food and kind of turn that off, right? If you've eaten anything in the past 24 to 48 hours, you are not hungry, okay? You have lots of stores. It would take 90 days for the average person to die of starvation. So there's lots that your body has to work with. And please don't like misconstrue my words here. I'm not suggesting we all starve ourselves. But what I am trying to do is really get you guys to think about your true hunger cues, okay? So if you've eaten anything in the past day and you get that like, oh, I'm hungry, I want to get up a snack, and you like just had something to eat, like that you're not really hungry. It's just your nervous system being like, I want to regulate, you know? And if you hear that, I want to regulate, and you respond by eating over and over and over again, craving eat, craving eat, craving eat, we build a very strong association. But we're never actually dealing with the real issue because the issue is not you're hungry. The issue is that you're tired, you need to be creative, you want, you need a break, you're unhappy in your marriage, 
you have lost your friends and you have a sisterhood wound, whatever it is, right? You feel lonely, but you will respond to hunger instead of actually dealing with the real issue. And the problem with that is that we never, like if the brain never learns to regulate on its own, it will always seek external validation to basically make it feel good. But again, if hunger's not the problem, eating's not the solution. So it's really important that we hear that cue, we hear that drive, and we do not respond by eating, and we allow the nervous system to regulate on its own. When I do this work with my clients, like that is the best gift I can give to my clients is teaching their brains how to regulate on its own without requiring any external validation. Because this external validation, it looks like food for most of my clients, but it could also look like, you know, toxic relationships, being addicted to like being on Tinder, addicted to sex, addicted to shopping, addicted to chaos, creating chaos in your environment, picking fights with people like whatever your brain needs to feel temporarily stimulated, right? But at the end of the day, if we don't learn to meet our needs, we are going to either eat them or deal, like use other substances to try and fill that void, but it never gets filled, all right? And then the second thing that I wanna tell you here is that not every meal can be Christmas Eve, all right? Not every meal can be festive. We really need to learn how to retrain our palate so that it is okay with just like an apple in the morning or it is okay with oatmeal with no added sugar, like oatmeal and you can sweeten it with fruit, whatever. Like it's, it's totally feels, you know, maybe it's not like jumping for joy and like super excited to eat this like oatmeal with cinnamon and apples, but it is deriving its basic need, which is to survive. And it's also like keeping the taste buds at a level where we're not overstimulating them. Because if the taste buds are continually overstimulated, then these like whole foods, these foods from like Mother Earth are never going to be good enough. And so not every meal can be a festive meal. And we need to be okay with that. So get really comfortable with eating bland shit. Honestly, pick one meal a day. For me, it's always breakfast because like whatever with breakfast, I usually do like a chia pudding. I sweeten it with fruit, usually frozen berries, and I put some cinnamon on it and call it a day. It's filling. It's not my favorite meal ever, but it does the fucking job. And then when my husband and I go out for dinner with these like really fancy restaurants, like we can really take pleasure and enjoy these foods, but it's not an everyday occurrence. All right. So you just need to practice with being okay with something that isn't highly palatable. And then, like I said, start small, start with one meal. All right. Okay, guys, I have ranted enough about this topic, but I would love to hear your feedback, honestly, because this is something that I've been kind of going back and forth with in my own mind and with my clients and with things I see online. So let me hear what you think. Where do you think the line is between foodie and emotional eating? And do you believe that we can really enjoy our food without it being to our detriment? Okay, If you like this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe and send it to somebody who needs it. This keeps the information free and available to everybody. I'm always available if you have any questions and I can't wait to see you guys again on another episode of the Head to Heal podcast. Bye.